The Daily Tap is live. For Monday, we will talk about Green Bay's refusal to die and why you should embrace it. We will also do questions at the bar, golden kegs. We'll talk about Marquette, Wisconsin, what we learned from that. We'll get into Graham Mertz going into the transfer portal, what that might mean. We'll touch on the Bucks really quickly. We'll touch on Colton Long really quickly. It was an absolutely absurd weekend. We could have a podcast on Saturday. Probably should have, given that how crazy the Bucks-Lakers game was. Colton Long trade. Like we had enough content where he could have checked in for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and gave you a pretty good show. Uh, but we didn't do that, which is on me, I guess. So now it's all lumped into our Monday show. Probably can do a little bit more in detail on the Bucks and Colton Long on Tuesday. So maybe it'll be like a little taste. It'll be just like a I wouldn't even say a shot, like a nip, right? Like you're you're drinking out of the flask like I was at the Santa Rampage over the weekend. Like that's what it is. It's just a slight, it's like a nip of a buck stock and a brewer stock. Before we get going, just a reminder, social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok and Facebook too, if you're into that. Make sure that you're rating and reviewing. We have not seen some reviews come in. I want to see a couple more. Let's get that right before the holiday season. would love to see a few few more. Uh, would appreciate that. That'd be a great Christmas gift to give to me. Um, and if you're not subscribed, make sure that you are Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. All right, let's talk about how Green Bay refuses to go quietly into the night. A lot of Packer fans are probably upset that the Green Bay Packers won today. I, I know it's the Chicago Bears. I know that it's always good to beat your rival. Matt LaFleur now 8-0 against them. Aaron Rodgers continues to own and troll the Chicago Bears with the salute and then his commentary after the game about just how much respect he has for the rivalry and how he likes toying with this, this fan base. There are fans, though, who hope that the Green Bay Packers will tank. I, I get it. I understand that, right? Like I, I fully understand the mentality of trying to get a top 10 pick with where Green Bay has been this year and that if you're bad, you might as well bottom out and not be somewhere in, in the middle. But to me, respectfully, that is loser talk. That is loser mentality, and that is not what I'm asking you to do today. After this is done, I want you to think about embracing the opportunity to still be alive in this thing. It's not like this team is going at nowhere, right? They have talent all over the fucking field. And they just have moments or halves where they look worse than the Houston Texans. But they are loaded on both sides of the field. And they have young guys and they have older veterans. And it's just a combination of what should be a Super Bowl roster. But for a variety of reasons, it is not. If Green Bay was a rudderless ship with a bunch of lame duck guys, I would probably join the crowd and say, yes, we don't need to win any more games. Let's tank for the highest draft picks and start to rebuild this team on the fly and see if we can get back to where we were a couple of years ago. I'll ask you this question. Would you rather be the Packers right now or the Indianapolis Colts? The Indianapolis Colts are a rudderless ship, right? They're 4-8-1 now. They are awful. They embarrassed themselves on national TV by the Dallas Cowboys, who kicked the ever-living shit out of them in the fourth quarter with a 33-point fourth quarter. That was an embarrassment beyond an embarrassment. Colts hung in there for three quarters and then just got mollywopped in the last one. It looked like a power five team playing like an FCS team, and the FCS team's hanging around, hanging around, and then bam, they're done. Do you really want that for the Green Bay Packers? That's what I think some fans do. 
Like some fans want to competitively lose. And it's just, it's not what you should be thinking about. I know that I'm telling people how to fan and I hate that shit. But I really do believe that there is something left here. You can call it delusional. You can call it crazy. But I still see it with this team. And the second half is what kind of keeps me going, right? I loved what I saw from the Green Bay Packers in the second half. They were down 19 to 10 at one point. They were down 16 to three. I tweeted out that they found a new rock bottom. Like I was like, oh my God, that was the last thing I expected. But then in the second half, everything made sense. AJ Dillon carried the load on the ground. The defense seemed to confuse Justin Fields. Aaron Rodgers made the throws that he should have and that mattered the most. Packers looked like they belonged in the playoff race in the second half. And that and that plus the emergence of Christian Watson is like a drug you cannot stop taking. As Big Cat from Barstool Sports says, you always want to see yourself in the hunt. The Packers are still in the hunt. And with the topsy-turvy NFC you can't quit it. If it was the AFC right now, and you had a guy like Joe Burrow looking to get back to a second straight Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes, even though they struggled today, they were in that football game and they've been in multiple games. Tennessee Titans, yes, got blown out, but Tennessee has looked more than they have belonged maybe this year than last year. The Buffalo Bills are a wagon and they have been a wagon this season. The Miami Dolphins, even though they got beat by the 49ers, probably still belong in that conversation too. If that's what the NFC was right now, I think I would have a far different attitude this this morning with you guys. I really do. I don't think I'm talking the exact same way. Rather, I think I'm saying, well, even if we do get in, it's probably unlikely that we go far. But the Packers beat Dallas who's I think the second best team or the best team in the NFC. The Packers put 33 on Philadelphia. Yeah, they gave up 40. That's a problem, right? But they still scored 33 fucking points against that that offense or defense, excuse me. I can't like quit it. Like I I just got to keep taking this drug, man. And then you had the San Francisco injury today. And it's like, it's wide open. It's still wide open. And you, you know I haven't mentioned Minnesota. And I'm sorry, Minnesota had another fraudulent win. Like, it, it seems like the, the Breaking Bad meme, like, how do they keep getting away with this? I cannot believe it. So you kind of ask yourself, can this really fucking happen again? Could they really do another version of Run the Table? The Packers are going to be favored against the Los Angeles Rams and John Wolford, who had a nice effort today and nearly beat the Seattle Seahawks. And pending how the next two weeks go, we'll know a lot more about where Green Bay stands in the hunt. And they will still be in the in the hunt graphic no matter what happens next week at, during Green Bay's bye. Today wasn't a great day for playoff maneuvering, but we still have life. And that's what it's all about. I understand that draft picks are important, but there are great players that get drafted at all parts of the first round. There are undrafted guys that look great, like Jack Sanborn, former Badger. He is a the future like big, 
Bears linebacker, inside linebacker. Like they have a long lineage of them, as you know, with Dick Buckus and Brian Urlacher and Rokon Smith. Like Jack Sanborn looks like the next one, which is crazy to say and makes me infuriated that Brian Gunacus did not think to maybe try to go after a guy who played for the fucking Badgers last year. But that's here nor there. You can get draft picks anywhere, all right? Great players can come in the fifth round shot to Aaron Jones, the fourth round shot to David Bakhtiari. The third round doesn't exist for the Packers, so we just forget about that, right? And I'm saying to just enjoy the ride here. You can care a little bit less. I'll give you that permission. I am right there with you, right? I had a lot, I have a lot of superstitions. I've kind of thrown those out of the window. I, I really have. Like I am less superstitious than I was earlier in the year where I'd move chair positions. I'd wear certain shirts. I wouldn't do certain things. I wouldn't eat certain things or drink certain things. Like that shit's gone, right? Like I was doing laundry during the game, okay? Like I'm telling you, like I am not saying to put your heart, like throw yourself all the way back in and kind of just be where you were maybe in September. But there is still a chance here. So you still should give a shit. You still should want to win. Because we have an MVP quarterback, because we have talent all over this field, because Christian Watson looks like the next great wide receiver and doing things that I don't know if any of us thought were possible. And oh yeah, they're going to get Romeo Dobbs back next week. And the Packers are going to be fully healthy on offense for maybe the first time this season. There is a chance. So as Les Steen would say, fuck them picks. We don't need them. The Packers still have a chance. And that's what we should all be excited about here in December. And if maybe we can get to Christmas with a winner-take-all game with the Miami Dolphins, which would be a very tough hill to climb. I feel a little bit better about the Dolphins today, but I still worry like hell in that game. But that's, again, got to beat the Rams first. It's day by day, but fuck them picks. Let's talk about questions at the bar. Questions at the bar. We ask questions from the Packer game that we might think that if you're sitting around at a bar chatting with the locals, maybe your local establishment, shout out Castle, shout out the Baylor's Lounge, which I haven't been to yet, but we'll give them some shout outs. I was out at Whitetail and Uncle Buck's uh, last Saturday, also at Red, White, and Blue, which let me tell you, um, I will not go in that place unless my guy Shay Ken's there. We went to go see, support him. We had a great time. We were hanging out in the DJ booth. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I had a few friends who were like, why are you there? And I, I and I understand that. I, I get it. I under, but I was supporting Bud, okay? So it, it's, it's circumstantial, all right? Uh, I think that matters. And context matters. If yes, if you just saw me randomly there. And also, it wasn't like we were like in the mosh dancing with everybody. We were just in our own corner, just hanging out, having a good time. Drink, drinking, and we were pretty sufficiently faced by the end of that one. But anyways, these were questions maybe we would have sat around White Taylor, sat around Uncle Bucks, and asked the group if we were out tonight or out tomorrow. Question number one. How much does that tie fucking suck? Awful. That is terrible. It's not good. Uh, that tie is going to really screw a lot of things up in the playoff race. Because now, the Giants, to get to eight losses, it's going to take a lot, right? They'd have to be 8-8-1. Eight, eight, 
for the Commanders, who have five, oh, five loss or five losses, to get to eight again, their eight record is going to be eight eight and one if possible. So it's going to throw a massive wrench into the entire thing. Now I do think that if Green Bay were to get to nine and eight, they actually will get in over those teams. I think that's how it works, even with the tiebreaker. So maybe the tie does actually work out in our favor. But I have to go through the simulator, which we'll do for Tuesday shows we've done the last couple of weeks, and really suss it out. But I have a bad feeling that the tie is going to come back to haunt us in a big way at the end of the season. Maybe not. We've had some ties help us in the past. Remember the Vikings game? The Vikings tie back in 2013, was it? When the Packers tied the Vikings. And because of that, they were able to slink into the playoffs with 8-7-1 and one instead of the Detroit Lions, if I, if I am correct. Why can't A.J. Dillon do this in the first few months of the season? So A.J. Dillon was awesome. We'll talk about him a little more in detail in golden kegs. But yeah, it doesn't make sense that A.J. Dillon can't bring this earlier in the year. I realize that he's a lot tougher to tackle in December and he's harder to bring down and he had 5.2 yards per carry. But A.J. Dillon needs to think about how can I be December Dillon in September and October? I realize that's a hard thing to crack, right? That's a hard sort of equation because A.J. Dillon's running style is built for the cold. But I would love A.J. Dillon to study like Josh Jacobs' tape from this year. Josh Jacobs, similar body frame. I think he's a little bit smaller. But like there is a similar frame there. And I'd love him to watch just what Josh Jacobs has done. Because Josh Jacobs has had one of the best running back seasons this year. Made the Raiders look foolish for not picking up his fifth-year option. And congratulations, Josh Jacobs. You are a Los Angeles Ram next year. But but seriously, like I look at Josh Jacobs and I, I think that there is a lot to learn if you're A.J. Dillon. And how can it be a little more consistent for Dillon? I'm happy that Dillon played this well. I've been harsh on Dillon. I really have. Uh, we've called him Door County Dillon. We've called him Plodzilla. Like those have been names that have been, been used. And, and no question about it. It's not been a superstar year for Dillon. I would say, if anything, Dillon's grades would probably be a C plus, maybe a B minus. And this is really encouraging. Now can the, can he have some consistency? Because that's the other thing about Dylan that has been frustrating this year is he has one of these games and then it's rare that he puts the second game together. The next game seems to just kind of go awry for him. And it's like, dude, can we get like two of these in, in, the, in the year? Can we, can we just get two straight if possible? So like looking at the game logs for Dylan, I guess you could say the Philly, if you look the last three for Dylan have actually been pretty good, which I love when this happens. When I I have notes, I, I write stuff down, and then but then I click into something and I'm like, oh fuck, actually, last three games for Dylan, 60, 13 carries for 65 yards against Dallas. He had a rough game against Tennessee, six for 13, but then against Philly, eight for 64. Uh, against Chicago, 18 of 93. So Dylan has sort of become a little bit more of that battering ram and getting more touches and getting more carries. And the best is, I mean, he's averaging, he's at 531 for yards this year, which is pretty good. And we'll, we'll have to see if this can continue. Um, you know, Rams run defense is pretty solid, even with all their injuries. They're obviously a little bit worse. But yes, Dylan, 
Dylan will have that opportunity, and then he'll go to Miami where it'll be a little warm, and we'll see how he can do in the heat before going back into the cold. But there are going to be a lot of Lambeau games for A.J. Dillon and maybe a Packer team that still has a chance. Other questions. What happened to Luke Getze's play call? First half, Luke Getze was in his bag, right? Luke Getze was just eating Joe Barry's lunch. I uh, was doing everything to that Packers defense. And Getze obviously knows that defense well, coaching against it last year. He knows the ins and outs. And then the second half, it kind of went to shit. I don't know if they were worried about overusing Justin Fields' legs. I don't know if they kind of outfought themselves. If Joe Barry sort of pulled something out of his ass a little bit and did some different things that maybe Getze hadn't seen on tape or that Getze wasn't familiar with and it kind of broke his brain. Um, it was a very bizarre second half play calling for him. And I think if I had one thing to say about the Bears and if I were a Bears fan right now that worries me is that the Bears have zero idea how to play with the lead. They, they don't. They just kind of play with their food. Their defense obviously is a, needs a lot of work. They're a bunch of young guys. But you can't kind of let teams hang around. And that's been the story. And that's why they've lost six straight games. And I know there are Bears fans who, if you really look at all of them, you could say, except for Dallas maybe, you could be like, oh my God, like a couple plays here, a couple plays there, we win that fucking game. And I'm sure they're fine with it. I'm sure they'll take a top pick. But there is, there is that worry that maybe this is who you are. You have to sort of win some of these games to make sure that you don't fall into this pattern time and time again. I feel like that happens with the Ravens. I know they gutted out a game against Denver, but I feel like that's part of like the Ravens, you know, ML, right? Is like once you start giving up leads late, that just kind of becomes your personality and your identity. And I would that would worry me if I was a Bears fan. Not a Bears fan. But I, I just was very curious to see Luke Getze just kind of fall off a cliff in that second half. He was great in the first half, second half, complete wreck. What's the biggest focus out of the bye? I think it's defense, right? It's make, working with Joe Barry, whether that's Matt LaFleur, whether that's other coaches, Jared Gray, Kurt Overlotti, like just working with the whole defensive unit to try to figure out how can we get this run defense better? How can we get better against quarterbacks that can run? Now, thankfully for Green Bay, they will not face a mobile quarterback really the rest of the way. I know Tua runs a little bit, but I wouldn't qualify Tua as a running quarterback. So they do have that going for them. Uh, unless Bryce Perkins plays over John Wolford next week. But still, like, and they won't face really dynamic running attacks uh, in the next few weeks, right? You get the Rams. Cam Akers obviously looked good today, but Cam Akers has had one of the more up and down seasons all all throughout, like he's kind of like the Britney Spears of running backs where it's like one weekend you're like, oh, it's great. And the next weekend, like she's maybe showing her vagina on Instagram. Like that's kind of Cam Akers season so far this year. So you have the Rams who don't can't run the ball real well. You have the Dolphins who kind of don't want to run the ball, right? They want to do everything kind of underneath. And that worries the shit out of me too is really good against the zone. And uh, that's not great for the Packer team. Um, and then you have the Vikings and Delvin Cook, does run the ball well, but they haven't really done done that this year. It's been more about Cousins and Justin Jefferson. And then lastly, Lions. So it's like you do need to sort of look at this and say, all right, we, we need to figure out how to make this defense a little bit better. And I think offensively, 
it's just how do you convince Aaron Rodgers to play within the system? And we'll talk a little bit more about that. I don't want to ruin golden kegs, but I think offensively it's just working with Rodgers and then obviously getting healthy, but that's such a basic bitch answer. I didn't want to give it to you at the first one. But it, yes, making sure that whatever is wrong with Jones's shin, if he can heal, I should, two weeks. Romeo Dobbs back and practicing, right? That'll be great. You'll have another, you know, two weeks for Rodgers' thumb to heal. And maybe Rodgers comes out slinging. And, it, and, and honestly, if he does, it's a big uh-oh if you're, if you're the NFC. You know, Peter Schrager said we got thrown back out of the club. He's like, oh, don't let the Packers into the club. Packers are still hanging around, as I mentioned in the open. Like, there, there's a chance here. And I didn't like the late buy. I still think it might hurt them in the long run. You know, you can't really build on momentum. Uh, the Packers haven't won two straight since September, and they have a great opportunity uh, Monday night against the Los Angeles Rams in two weeks. Um, so let's hope they do that. Let's hope they take advantage of it, and let's move on to Golden Kegs. Golden Kegs weekly segment. You guys know we talk about the best and worst from the Packer game. These also appear on our social media feeds, TikTok and Instagram. I'm trying to get better about getting them on Instagram, but always on TikTok so you can find them there. Uh, Tapping the Keg Sports for both of those uh, social media handles. Five Kegs, Christian Watson. Christian Watson, man, holy fuck, right? Like this, something else. It, it makes the Devontae Adams going off in the game against Los Angeles Chargers a lot of easier pill to swallow. Now, granted, we all know that the Packers wanted Devontae Adams back. They wanted Devontae Adams on this roster. Devontae Adams did not want to be here. I think we can put that to bed. Saw that from somebody t- this afternoon. I was like, how many fucking times do we have to do this? Devontae didn't want to be here. Place close. Anyways, Christian Watson was awesome. And he might have the belt to the best young wide receiver. Chris Olave is really good. Garrett Wilson had a really good game today. But Christian Watson has the speed and the size that is unmatched. And Watson did some great things. He made a great catch, contested catch for the touchdown on a fourth down. I mean, that's, you look back on that game, right? And if Watson doesn't catch that pass, Packers are probably losing this game, right? Like, maybe they do squeeze it out still. They did get that extra touchdown with the Watson run which was massive because the Packers covered, game went over, um, and it was just such a good play. It was such a good play for the moment. Um, Matt LaFleur, again, was really dialing it up in that second half, and I still think Watson needs a few more touches. Um, Lazard got a lot. Cobb got a little. I would love to see Rodgers spread it more to Watson, and I think that's going to come with time. I think as, as he, he just gets comfortable with it, you'll see more. I guess Watson had six targets today, so it wasn't like he wasn't getting the ball. Uh, he was He's tied for targets with Lazard and Aaron Jones at five. So I mean, he was still trying, but he had four, four targets to Cobb, and he didn't catch one of them, which is rough. Um, definitely something to examine. But anyways, I love what I'm seeing out of Christian Watson, man. And the future is so bright. And he he's going to keep keep kind of growing here. And Rodgers talked about it after the game, about the sort of the potential and kind of force him back to play. And, it, and Rodgers basically did this mutual interest thing, which I think will get blown out of proportion. We'll see maybe a topic tomorrow. But like... Yeah, it's that's what I mean when I said like this is not a rudderless ship. There's talent all over this field. Uh, other 5K AJ Dillon. We talked a little bit about AJ Dillon a second ago, but yeah, this is just this is AJ Dillon season. Uh, 
someone's I think it was she's at TV was like AJ Dillon just add to, just add cold weather like seriously like it, it, once it gets cold it's AJ Dillon time so played really good four kegs Kenny Clark uh, Kenny Clark's been non-existent like I forgot kind of Kenny Clark was on the team and whether it was just him having a really bad game against the Philadelphia Eagles or Devondre Campbell being back Kenny Clark ate today um, he only had two tackles three tackles but it, it showed up more in the game and Kenny Clark did a lot to disrupt and made sure that David Montgomery stayed kind of bottled in um, really liked this game for Kenny Clark four kegs also to Alan Lazard Alan Lazard has been sort of I would say, I wouldn't want to say struggling but like this was the first clean game from Alan Lazard in a long time like I can't remember the last clean game for from Lazard but he didn't have a drop he had five catches, 67 yards, made some big third down catches. And Lazard was kind of not necessarily having a role with Watson's development. But I kind of think Lazard got comfortable here. And now you'll have Dobbs back next week. And I, I only think that will help Alan Lazard. And I expect him to kind of stay on the up and up. Three kegs, Devondre Campbell mentioned him earlier. I did think Campbell came on in the second half. It was really good. First half, he did not look healthy. Like Ross Algren pointed that out, which I agreed with. I was like, I don't think he should be out there. Like he was giving up a lot in the flats. Uh, just did not look like he was ready to play. And yeah, I guess I should have been a little more sympathetic because having Justin Fields as the quarterback in your first game back is probably not easy on a, on a guy like Campbell who moves, but not doesn't move as quick as like, so let's say Quay Walker. So yeah. I thought he played really well in the second half. He finished with 11 tackles. I think that's a lot to build on uh, with Campbell being back. And then he gets a bye now and gets two weeks off to sort of heal or a week off to heal up. Aaron Jones, um, I was another three kegs. Like Aaron Jones had some moments, um, but it was not necessarily a great Aaron Jones game. I mean, he five, five, uh, he ended up with five catches he also carried the ball nine times obviously that's shin contusion sort of bothered him so we didn't see as much and saw more on the on the aj Dillon side i love that they don't care uh aaron jones gave him his sombrero after the game to wear to talk to the media so if you think aaron jones is mad about any of this he isn't that's just the kind of team player he is uh but yeah hopefully aaron jones can find a way to get more involved even when Dillon's cooking i think that's what i would like to see going forward and I, I realize that the injury played a part but how can we make Aaron Jones still a factor in this offense even when AJ Dillon is showing out like he did today two kegs Jair Alexander Jair Alexander would have got a one keg if it wasn't for the interception at the end uh, Jair Alexander had a really shitty game uh, he got beat by Aquinas St. Brown he got beat by Keneal or Keneal Harry like yikes man that should not happen for a guy that's getting paid 71 million dollars that just shouldn't and Jair really really needs to work on whatever the fuck's going on so if he, I guess some people have noted that he's trying for interceptions all the time so he's getting sort of caught on these you know quick hits and things like that and Travion Diggs is kind of a gambler like that and Jair is doing a little bit more of that and he needs he needs to chill a little bit all right, like the shit talking stuff, if that's what motivates you, man, I'm okay with it if you're not getting burned. But if you're getting burned by fucking, by Neil Harry and Quantumus St. Brown, like shut the fuck up. Like you just can't talk. Like shut up. 
because that's that's just not going to work. And then he had a really weird quote after the game to Ryan Wood, which I have no idea the context. Like I would love to know, like, hey, was he smiling? Was he was he like kind of joking around because it was about a former teammate? <laughs> like these quotes are fucking wild from Jair Alexander. So here is. <laughs> the EQ caught that I was like man he's a scrub I can't believe I let them catch o- catch that over me but hats off to him he did make a new catch and then he said Keneal Harry <laughs> he goes man that was lucky I was ready to pick that one too I was getting ready to pick it and then he held the ball and he ran somewhere as like, he's running I'm looking at the Jumbotron and I'm like Wow, he really just threw it. So I'm like, oh snap. That's the first time seeing the ball get thrown on the Jumbotron while I'm running. It was crazy. What the fuck is going on through this guy's head? This guy might be more delusional than like a a fat guy thinking he's going to get pussy from some OnlyFans girl. Like what the hell is this? Holy shit. We gave this guy $71 million? This is like, if I'm Mark Murphy... Mark Murray's probably printing out these tweets and sending them to Brian Gunekist, like by mail or putting them on his desk. Like, you made me endorse paying this dude? Like, <laughs> here's another one. I don't know what was going on. Talk about the early shows. I don't know what was going on. I was too zoned out for a, zened out for a minute. So were you fucking high, dude? Then they came into the locker room at halftime. They yelled at me. They said, it was your fault. You gave up that long pass. I said, all right, cool. I don't know, man. <laughs> we'll see, man. We will see. I, I have to, I'll have to look at contract. I have like a segment idea I was going to do uh, today and I decided not to. Um, I was, was like, that's ah, a little too negative for after a win. But I, I might do it. Obviously, we have two weeks of content to fill. So you you will probably get this get this content idea. And Jair and a trade might be might be involved. One keg, Aaron Rodgers, hero balls. Man, oh man. I, I Look, I understand that Aaron Rodgers can throw a good deep ball. I know his deep ball numbers have been much better in the second half of the season. But you got to stop doing it on fourth and one, third and one, things like that. That's what drives the haters crazy, which I get. Like, I'm right there with them. Uh, I just make the easy pass, take, take the completion, and move the fuck on. I understand that Aaron Rodgers thinks he's Superman sometimes and wants to try it. I think once in a while is okay. I think multiple times in a game is not, right? Like, I think we can all agree on that, right? Like, if Aaron Rodgers sees it, he probably sees it better than we do. And I'm sure if you asked Aaron Rodgers, which I would actually love Pat McAfee to ask that question this week. I don't know if they will. They sometimes do some film stuff with Rodgers. But they're like, hey, on these third and one, fourth and ones, you kind of throw a ball down 20 yards down the field, draws some ire to the fans on Twitter. Like, what would, what do you, would you say to them as to what you see versus just taking maybe the easy completion. And you know Roger will say, well, the easy completion's not there. Um, so that to me is, the, that was my first read. Oh, it looks good. I'm going to try to make this happen. We do forget, we do have short memories, right? Like I believe the Christian Watson touchdown in Dallas when it was like a 39-yarder on a fourth down what was like fourth and two, fourth and three, and he hits Watson you know, 20 yards down the field for the touchdown. And Watson obviously had the yak after it, but we, we do have short-term memories on that a little bit. So again, I'm okay with one a game, but multiple, not a fan of. 
Other one keg is Adrian Amos. My God, is Adrian Amos bad? Uh, Adrian Amos had was the reason for the Justin Fields uh, 56-yard touchdown. He had another one where he's just on the left side, just completely has no idea how to cover his own read. One of my more – one of the larger annoyances for me this season has been the fact that Brian Gunacus did nothing to address the safety position the last couple of years. And there are just certain guys I see that it just makes me instinctively mad. Javon Holland, great example, out of Oregon. If you go back to the draft pods that Murph and I did in 2021, Javon Holland was a guy I talked about, talked about a guy I thought was interesting. Javon Holland, if he was on the Packers right now, we're not talking about Darnell Savage. We might not be talking about Adrian Amos. Like, he is a great fucking player and was drafted 10 picks uh, after Eric Stokes. So in the area where you can be like, okay, that guy could have been a Packer. Um, that's number one. Malik Hooker, you know, had a great game tonight for Dallas. And it's like, Malik Hooker was the guy people gave up on, but he was a top pick. He was awesome at Ohio State. And he's turned into a legitimate safety for Dallas. And it's like, where the fuck was this? And yeah, that's just a growing frustration that they put all their eggs in Amos Savage's basket. Now, Rudy Ford looks like a guy. I think that that will help. I think you'll have Rudy Ford back next year. There are some on the Twitter world that are clamoring for Rasul Douglas to be a safety next year just because it's been a really rough year for Douglas on the outside. I, I don't hate that idea. Again, though, the contracts, man, like it's not been good. And I, I have a lot of opinions on Gutekus, but we're, we're going to keep it positive. But yeah, Adrian Amos, you can't be there next year. No way, no how. Moving on to college basketball, Marquette, Wisconsin played another banger. Uh, all they do is play bangers. Uh, they just, great rivalry. I have so much respect for the rivalry. It's always fun. It's rare that it's a blowout. It was bought last year uh, with a young Marquette team playing a very experienced and talented Wisconsin team. And it was not the case this year. It almost looked like it was going to start that way. Um, Wisconsin got up early. They were up 16 in the early part of the second half. And then Marquette kept clawing back, kept clawing back. Actually got the lead, I believe, late in the second half. But they could not finish it. Wisconsin had hit some big shots, forced overtime. And then Marquette, wait, or Wisconsin, excuse me, wins in overtime at 80 to 77. So what do we learn collectively from both teams? Um, it's rare that we'll, we'll do both teams in a weekend with college hoops, but you know maybe as if the Packers season ends early, uh, we'll have that, that opportunity where we'll invite a little more Wisconsin basketball in if I'm able to watch. I thought Marquette's game plan sunk out loud. I thought it was bad. I thought it cost them the game uh, really from the start defensively. A lot of their double teams left for open three-point opportunities and Wisconsin nailed them down. I realized that the metrics probably said Wisconsin wasn't going to make all these threes. And we know as Bucks fans all about the outlier games, right? And this probably was an outlier three game for Wisconsin. That said, I, I just would not have taken that risk. I, I think they should have got off it. They kind of did in the second half. Uh, but this consistent doubling of Tyler Wall, this blitzing of Tyler Wall, it just didn't work. And I think they needed to get out of it. And the stubbornness a little bit there, I wouldn't say it was Wojo, but it, it stunk a little bit of Wojo where the game plan goes awry and they were, we're just going to keep doing it even though it's not working. Uh, but I, I, I thought the defense just needs 
needed a lot of work. Um, and I'm not saying that they took a step back from Baylor. I think they just they just came out a little bit differently in that game. And when they don't first turnovers, which they still force 15, right? But if they force a little bit, little less than 20, they they need to figure out a different way to kind of play defensively. Cam Jones is the guy for Marquette. Chucky Hepburn's the guy for Wisconsin. So let's start with Cam Jones. Cam Jones was great in this game. Cam Jones, second straight game with 20 or more points. He finished with 26. He made four threes. He also made uh, five twos and four from the free throw line. He added six rebounds as well. Um, with six four sophomore is kind of becoming more comfortable with taking these last shots. And he he didn't just do it from beyond the arc. Like he took it to the lane, a lot of confidence. Um, he finished pretty well as well. Uh, so I like what Marquette has with Cam Jones. And I've been looking for that person who we can rely on in late game situations. And Cam Jones is that dude. And that's exciting. And I think even though you lose to Wisconsin, you lose to a rival, you now know who your guy is. And that's going to be really important when Marquette heads in the Big East play next week. As for Wisconsin, Chucky Hepburn, I mean, Willis Reed, right? Uh, he goes out with this weird groin injury that none of the Badger media mafia could report on. Like, I have no idea where Jeff Patrikas or Jim Polzine were or Bartholomew, who I like all those guys. They all do good work. But it's like, how did none of you have the fucking story? How did none of you have the fucking story on what happened to Chucky Hepburn during that? Did he, like, get hit in the dick and it just was like, it felt weird? I don't know. But, like, get, get, some, get some more info on that. Hepburn had an offensive rating of 188 over 100. That's fucking absurd. I have to think that was one of the best performances in all on Saturday per Kempom. Let me take a gander here. Because he usually does like kind of like lines of the night. Chucky Hepburn did not make it. I mean, it's a big, it's a big slate, right? Uh, but 188 offensive rating is fucking nuts for him. And yeah, he just hit big shot after big shot. He had five made threes. I told some Badger friends that you should call him Chucky Brightlights. Um, and my friend goes, he's like, you're kind of like Chris Berman. Like you just come up with nicknames out of nowhere. But yeah, Chucky Brightlights, which might be, I might be stealing that from something. Um, so I don't want to take full credit there. I, that might be, is that somebody's name in hockey? Oh yeah, that's a, that was a uh, Chucky Brightlights Charlie McAvoy thing for the Boston Bruins. There was a t-shirt made uh, by Barstool Sports. But yeah, I, I don't know. Why can't why can't Chucky Hepburn also be Chucky Brightlights? Uh, I feel like he he deserved that title. Uh, hit big shot after big shot. And that's your guy down the stretch. And Hepburn will continue to be that role player for him. Or not role player. I, I don't want to say it, but play that role. And really sort of find his rhythm, find his flow. And yeah, whatever injury he's going through, hopefully it's all right. Because they have Maryland on Tuesday. And that's not going to be an easy game as the Terrapins have looked awesome to start the year. But now they know that Hepburn is that guy down the stretch. Back to Wisconsin, or back to Marquette, excuse me. Olivier Mac, Max Prosper Omax needs to know when his three-point shot isn't falling. Uh, well, Omax Prosper was awesome in the game against Baylor at 24 points. He was really efficient, had a variety of scoring options. A lot of people think there is an NBA body in that. And like he had he does some things where you look at it and you're like, holy shit, this is next level stuff. 
Saturday wasn't it. I think the frustration for a lot of fans is that there is no consistency in his game, right? Like, he will have an awesome game against Baylor, and then he just will suck against Wisconsin. And it's like, we just want to see, like, a middle middle version of that. And he was really good inside the arc and really good at the free throw line and was awful from three. Like, he was one of seven from outside the arc. Made seven free throws. It's like, take the ball into the fucking lane. Like, if you're a good free throw shooter, if you're making it from inside, like, fuck the three, okay? It wasn't falling for you. That's okay. And he needed to do more than just try to try to hit shot after shot. And that's okay. It'll come with time. But I hope that he doesn't fall in love with it and, you know, can get out of it and not be as stubborn as uh, as he was on on Saturday. Other Wisconsin thought, Jordan Davis will kill Wisconsin if he continues to be a starter. So Big Ten's pretty solid this year, right? Maryland's good. Illinois is good. Purdue, I mean, fuck. They keep winning games, and Zach Eady looks like the player of the year so far, 31-22. and 22. John Rostin called me Yao Ming, which is kind of racist because he's Chinese. It's like it's the first chi- it's the first Asian to Asian comparison I think I've ever seen. Like you'll hear like that white wide receiver. He's like, oh, he's a Julian Edelman type. He's a Wes Welker type. Saw Wes Welker on the sidelines of the Dolphins game backwards hat. I'm like, of course Wes Welker is wearing a fucking backwards hat in there. I'll be curious if Rostin deleted it. It's hard to find because he pumps out all his fucking t-shirts. Let's see here. Did he delete? Yes, the Yao Ming of college basketball. It, it's still up. That is amazing. I mean, he, it, there is some truth to it, though. Like, someone's like, this is kind of racist, but it's kind of true. And then there were people that agreed with it. They're like, you know, he kind of is like Yao. And if you remember Yao, like, Yao had awesome fundamentals. And Edie does. And, ah, man, I just wish Marquette would have beat him. They were up by, like, nine points. If Marquette has a Purdue and a Baylor win on their fucking resume right now, fuck, just be much better off. That's gonna, it's gonna haunt me until until they get one, until they get one back. Right, you gotta get a road game back from that where you're like, okay, I feel better now about the Purdue thing. But yeah, you're not. The committee probably won't care that you were close with Purdue um, unless. I don't, know, I don't know if there's any way that you can look at it and say, oh, well, Marquette was close and maybe you consider that if they're on the bubble, but I don't know. Um, anyways, I, I got sidetracked. Jordan Davis, like, I just, I, he's not a starter in the Big Ten. I don't think Jordan Davis is a starter in really any of the high conferences, any of the power conferences. I would not put Jordan Davis there. Jordan Davis is a Mac player, right? He got there because of his brother. And... I just think the more that Davis is out there and the less that Connor Asian's out there, the worse Wisconsin's going to be. And Greg Gard is very stubborn. Greg Gard is very old school. He doesn't play a lot of young dudes. You gotta get Asian in there as a starter. And I know he plays like a starter. I realize his minutes are starter minutes, but yeah, I I do not see good things out of Jordan Davis. I realize he had a big shot in overtime. He also had an awful shot in overtime. So it's like, Take the good with the bad. And I, I just think it's going to cost Wisconsin more to have Davis out there than it will be to have like a season out there or somebody else. Also, the uh, 
Max Klesmet, uh, the Wofford, Wofford transfer is very annoying. Did not like him. Uh, he has that TikTok broccoli zoomer hair. Um, was not a fan of Klesmet at all. Um, just sidebar. Uh, just was not, did not really stir the drink. I would say him and Asijan. Asijan kind of looked like Elf on the Shelf. Um, but that those two guys just, yeah, got under my skin a little bit as a Marquette fan. But should be an interesting year for both teams. Uh, you know, Marquette... They play NC Central, which shouldn't be slept on. You worry about a little bit of a hangover playing Tuesday night. And then they play Notre Dame on Sunday. And that should be an awesome game. Excited for that one. Uh, rivalry renewed in Notre Dame. Uh, tough place to play. But Notre Dame is a small, small rotation of six guys. So Marquette can really overwhelm them, you know, in terms of their speed. And we'll talk more about that later this week. Wisconsin gets Maryland. Like I said, Maryland's been awesome so far this year. And then they play Iowa on, on the road, they never seem to play well in Iowa. Uh, if they can have a one-on-one week, I think Wisconsin would take that any day. And as for Marquette, Notre Dame's kind of a big one because then at least you have two good non-conference wins. And I think of the you have what? You've played six kind of hot power conference teams so far. And if you go two and six, two and four, excuse me, it's all right. Like, I, I think you take that. I think you'd prefer three and three. But yeah, I think this is kind of one... Kind of one you need. All right, are they, wait, they beat Georgia Tech. So they, let's say, okay, Purdue, Mississippi State, they lost 0 and 2, 1 and 2 with Georgia Tech, 2 and 2 with Baylor, 2 and 3 now. So yeah, if they're 2 and 4, they lose to Notre Dame, that would be great. So you have a chance for 3 and 3. That would be ideal. Um, we'll see if Marquette can get it done uh, at this week. All right, let's move on. Uh, the show is already far too long, but we'll keep it going. Uh, talking really quick about Z- Z- Graham Mertz entering the tra- transfer portal. I'm not surprised. Uh, Graham Mertz, he's just had such a tumultuous uh, career with the Badgers. There were a ton of expectations on him. He was the top-rated sort of quarterback. Everyone thought that this was going to be the quarterback that took the Badgers to the promised land. Then COVID happened. He gets COVID uh, in that 2020 year, you just kind of wonder, like, if COVID didn't happen, what does Graham Mertz's career look like? I think it's extremely fair to ask, what if Jack Cohen doesn't break his ankle, right, and and kind of rush the development of Graham Mertz? I think a lot of Mertz's problems were between his ears. I don't think he was a very headsy player. I think he let his mistakes get to him, especially last year. I think he got a little bit better with it this year. And yeah, it's it, it's not a shock, and we'll see where he ends up. Um, I think any team in the Power Five that would take Mertz is making a mistake. I, I just do not see him as a Power Five quarterback. I see him more in that group of five, and I think he could flourish there. Or if he it was a team in the Power Five, I think he would need a really. I, I was just saying he really good defense, but that's been Wisconsin, so it's it's really hard for me to say. But yeah, I am. I don't. I do think there still is potential there. But yeah, it's, it, he needs a coach that can kind of work with him on just settle him down and make sure that he doesn't kind of get over his skis. So now it's Miles Birkin, uh, the kid from Franklin. Uh, Chase Wolf, I doubt, will start. He's a senior. I, I get the idea of wanting to start Chase Wolf, but man, he was brutal in that Minnesota drive. You have to let it be Miles Birkin. Let him cook. Uh, there's a lot of hype around that kid, and he has just a nice frame to him and can kind of bring the Badgers into the next generation of quarterbacks. A um, little different than what we've seen from Mertz, a little different from what we've seen from Wolf. 
I love the idea of him playing against Oklahoma State, the Badgers Bowl opponent, and sort of taking you into the next year. And I I understand that Luke Fickle is probably going to look around the portal, right? Like DJ Ungule, I'm not a huge endorser of that, but he's in the portal now. And Ungule, I think we'll go to the West Coast, but I mean, it's worth a it's worth a reach out, right? Um, remember when <laughs> Wisconsin was going to Caleb Williams? That was funny. Um, what I, I mean, yeah, and there's like the four star who's going to Cincinnati. I don't I don't know if he decommitted yet. That also is quarterback out of Michigan and a lot of talent there. Uh, we'll have to see. Um, it'll be really fascinating to watch what happens with the Badger quarterback position because I I, I can see it go a hundred ways. I can see. Burkett staying on, but I could also see them going to the portal and getting somebody else that could easily run and man the ship for Luke Fickle and his now Badger offense. I was going to say Bearcat offense, but now now it's Badger offense. All right, really quickly to wrap up the show, we'll do a couple quick hitters uh, with the Bucks and Lakers and Colton Wong getting traded. Uh, so with the Bucks, I... I didn't really get too upset about that Laker loss. I mean, the Lakers played really well. Um, I said it in the review that I just kind of saw it coming. I can't believe that we missed that with Mitch and I. Chris Middleton's first game back. The rotations are all fucked. Mike Boonholzer needs, I'm sure, three or four games before he really feels comfortable with the lineups that he's rolling in and out of. I know that there's a lot of similarity here, but guys develop, right? You, you have a better version of Javon Carter. You have, I think, an improved Grayson Allen. Like, how does that all mesh with Chris Middleton? And that's a work in progress. I think you'll see a little bit more of that with Orlando tonight. Um, but it's, that's going to be something that the Bucks need to continue to work on. And I think they'll get it. I think they'll hone it in in the weeks to come. The other part of it was Darvin Ham's first game against his mentor. You had to think Darvin Ham wanted to kind of show show up and show what he had and maybe, you know, kind of use Bud's strengths against him. And then lastly, just the Lakers needed the win, man. They were 7-12 or 8-12. They won that one. Then they win tonight against Washington. Anthony Davis has 55 points. He had 41, 44 against the Bucks on Friday, like it's just an awesome run for Davis. And now there's some Giannis Davis stuff, which if that does kind of start bubbling tomorrow, I might have to bring the nuclear warhead out. But yeah, it's, I mean, look, Lakers get on run. Like, yeah, the West is really bad right now. And they can, they certainly could. And I think they looked at it and knew that this was the time to shine. And maybe getting away from LA and just being on the road, that sometimes helps teams. And you could see the Lakers were playing better in the last week. And it's too bad the Bucs didn't play them two weeks earlier because I think they would have ran them out the gym. But yeah, the Lakers seem a lot more a lot more connected. And unfortunately, just how the schedule sometimes works in, in the NBA and baseball and football, sometimes you just run into a team when they're actually playing well. And that's that's going to get you. Last topic with Colton Wong. Um, and, oh, and then I'd be remiss to just not mention the Charlotte win. Uh, great job by the, the bench, right? You There was good stuff about Portis, 20 points in that one. Uh, Brooke Lopez had six blocks. I'm continuing to regret not having the 250 to one ticket on Brooke Lopez. Uh, Javon Carter had a, night, had a nice game. I think... For the Bucs to win those JV games, those are stealing wins. 
and to go one and one this weekend. And if you were to tell me Bucks beat the Lakers but lost the Hornets because everybody rested that next night, I'd been like, oh yeah, totally, totally makes sense. But the fact that it was flipped is fine, right? It it, it actually you could weirdly make the case that it's better because the if you go to the deep tiebreakers, right? Like division, like how you do against your conference will matter more than would the Western Conference. Like West, I'm not saying Western Conference games are meaningless, but I don't. They don't carry as much weight, right? They don't do anything with tiebreakers. They don't do anything in terms of like significance. So beat Charlotte was good and a really good win for the Bucks and something that I hope that JV squad, if you will, which I know sounds disrespectful, but it's kind of true, can hang their hats on. And, and hopefully it builds a little more confidence there as well. All right, quickly on Cole Wong, because this is already as long of a daily tap as we do. I mean, this is tapping a keg style shit here today. Um, so it's called, the deal was Cole Wong for Jesse Winker and Abraham Toro. Jesse Winker had a pretty shitty year last year. Jesse Winker butt, butted heads with the Seattle organization. Um, <coughs> so now... You wonder how it will be with the with the Milwaukee Brewers. Hopefully, Winger comes in with a clean head. Hopefully, you know Craig Council is a player's manager, and, and hopefully, Winger embraces that and they work well together. Uh, Winger can be really good against right-handers. Um, he, he didn't have good numbers last year, but the guy mashes against right-handed pitching. Uh, he with a short porch in left field or right field, excuse me. I think Winker could have a similar season as they did with the Reds. He loves hitting in Miller Park. He has some great numbers in Miller Park. So I, I know that that is not always correlated to success. Jeff Supon, most famously. But yeah, I'm excited for it. And I, I do think he's going to play some DH. And I think he's your replacement for Andrew McCutcheon. And they're still, I wouldn't be surprised they get another outfielder. I, I We'll see what happens with winter meetings. But it would not shock me if they don't they get another outfielder in the weeks to come as you know they can't rely everything on the rookies. And as for the second base position, I thought I think they were like, all right, Luis Urias, Bryce Trang, battle it out, here you go, and see what happens. And Urias is not a third baseman. He never was a third baseman. And him back at second will actually help this team defensively. You also have a chance to maybe get some pop in that third base position. Um, as I said, to, I think I said to Mitch on the pod last week, where Fraffy Devers is available, like sign me up. And I'm, I'm all in on that idea. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know if that's that's even possible. Uh, but yes, I think the Brewers should be actively looking for a third baseman to fill that role. And that, that could be another power, power bat. And if you get another power bat, and all of a sudden it's Roddy Telez, it's Jesse Winker, it's a power bat at third base, it's Willie Adonis, it's Christian Yelich, like... That's a good lineup, right? You know, the haters and losers might not say that, but it is. So we'll see what happens this week with Winter Millions. Um, Brewers do not seem like they're going to trade any, anybody. That was a report from Bob Nightingale, who is the kiss of death. So you never know. Uh, when Bob Nightingale says it, you feel a little more nervous than if it was like Heyman or Passan. But yes, the Brewers aren't actually listening to offers. So we'll see what happens this week. Very excited for it. Uh, DeGrom out of the, out of the NL. Now to the AL New York Rangers. I realize everybody's going to play everybody now. So Brewers will see the Rangers. I don't know when. Uh, don't ask me. But that said, 
that's helps from a playoff perspective. I know the Mets are going to retool and rebuild. Um, I wouldn't have done that deal if I was New York, I realize. I'd probably call a water carrier by my friends for that, but there's way too many injuries to give DeGrom that kind of money. And obviously him getting you know 180 in a place that doesn't do state income taxes is pretty fucking good. So yeah, I am... I'm way okay with that. Um, it's interesting. Verlander might come to the NL. Uh, he is. I don't think he's ever pitched in the NL. Um, and apparently, the the rumor now is that he's going to sign a two or three year deal with the New York Mets. So we'll see that happens. Which I I, I I like that for the Mets. I don't like that for the Brewers. Uh, so to go from Verlander to Degrom is not entirely that much of a drop off. But at some point, you just you're just too old, right? At some point, it just your body falls apart. We'll have to see. Uh, so see if the winter, the hot stove cooks it up something for us this week for the Brewers. Uh, but yeah, this is this will do it for today's show. Long one. Thank you guys for holding on. Uh, make sure that you rate and review uh, or subscribe if you're if you're not subscribed already. We appreciate it. Uh, find us on socials. Tap in the keg on Twitter. Tap in the keg sports on Instagram and TikTok. We will see you tomorrow. See you. Bye.